other perpetrators who said, by the time I reached Medan, a number of people had started to point to him and say, this was is really the most notorious death squad leader or executioner in the city. It's the third biggest city in Indonesia, about the size of Chicago. So it's a big city. And try and film him. So I approached him one day. And when I arrived at his house, there was his wife had guests. And he said, okay, I'm happy to tell you about what we did in the 60s, but why don't I take you to the place we did it and I'll show you what we did. And he takes me to a roof terrace above what is now a handbag store, but used to be a paramilitary office, a newspaper office. And it was the place where they were torturing and interrogating the opponents of the new military dictatorship. When they were finished interrogating them, they would haul them upstairs and kill them on this roof terrace. And Anwar takes me there and shows me how he went about it and shows me how he used wire to kill because it was relatively bloodless and easier to clean up. And this was the very first day that I met him. And it's an early scene in the film. And after showing me, he does something, in many ways, that was typical of a first shoot with a perpetrator, taking me to the place where he's killed, showing me how he killed. There was nothing unique there, even thinking to bring along props. He brings along a wire. That wasn't so unusual. But what was really unusual was what happened next, where he says, you know, I have nightmares from what I've done. I've been trying to forget it. I go out drinking and taking drugs and dancing to forget what I've done. So he acknowledges a trauma, a pain. And then he says, and to forget all of this. I would go out dancing. I'm a good dancer. Look. And he starts to dance the cha-cha-cha in the place where he's killed all these people. As though almost to banish the horror that he's just described. And the dancing was one of the most absurd, surreal, grotesque metaphors for what happens when killers win. And I started to wonder, because his pain was right there on the surface, whether perhaps the boasting that so many perpetrators, all the other perpetrators, had indulged in Perhaps that boasting might not be a sign of pride, but might be something much easier to understand, something much more human. I started to wonder whether boasting and remorse are two sides of the same coin. There's an amazing moment in the film. I'll set it up for our listeners here, where it's about your presence in the film. And, and Anwar, who we're talking about, he's demonstrating how to, I think, how to decapitate someone. He, he, um, he's an actor, and he's, his neck's already cut you know, in the, in the, uh, the Hollywood uh, makeup. And then he stops. You see his face completely change. And he looks to you and says, I, now I know how my victims felt. I know what it would like to be tortured. And you immediately snap back at him and say, no, you don't. No, you don't. Because they're all going to die. And you know you're going to live. There are many times in the film you hear someone say, hey, Josh. Hey, watch this. Hey, Josh, what do you think? What was your role in the film when you were able to say to someone that you, you're wrong to a murderer? I don't think I was really angry there. I mm-hmm. think that I might have been disappointed by his, yet again, when it was clear he was starting at that point in the process to feel some, looked like to me, remorse, that, that then he, he tried to run away from it by offering me this kind of easy right. uh, version of, of empathy. And so like, oh, now I empathize, I know what it was like. And it, early in the process, I made a decision. I made a decision that I would not make the leap from saying this man has done something monstrous to this man is a monster. Because the former is true. He has done something monstrous. He's done something terrible. But the latter, that the man is a monster, isn't true. The man's a human being. And if if we're going to have any chance of preventing killing, we have to understand it. And to understand killing, we have to look at the human beings who kill and listen to them and try and understand what they experience and why. And I also recognize by condemning him simply and saying this man is a monster, I would be 
reassuring myself that I'm totally unlike him. And while I would hope if I grew up in his family in 1950s Indonesia with his siblings, with his peer group, with that political context, I would hope that in 1965, at the time of the killings, I would hope I would make different decisions. But I know I'm extremely lucky never to have to find out. And that meant that I had to approach him as a human being. Right. And in approaching him as a human being, it meant that I had to be honest with him and build rapport in the way you build rapport with human beings, which is to be honest, ultimately, if you're going to work with someone for years and years and years. Has he ever brought up to you or do you bring up to him issues of redemption, the idea of trying to earn back or at least pay penance for what he's done? Only really once when Anwar saw the film and said to me, there's nothing left for me to do with my life than to, than to die. And that was a terrible thing to hear from someone you care for, especially after I've, it's in response to a film that I've